Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Terry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast. I am thrilled about where we are headed for the next couple of weeks today. We are looking at something that is personal, applicable, and practical in our own lives that will spread out to others. Next time, we're going to talk about practical ideas and practices that we can take on into this season and may, frankly, be all we have time for right now in this series. This week, I've spent a few minutes, and I mean a few, reorganizing and cleaning out my refrigerator freezer, at least the freezer part, and I found things you might find familiar. The iced over baggie that has lost its smell, (laughs) the mystery meat, the forgotten leftovers, the half-used frozen veggies, and the bag with like one chicken patty in it. What is that about? I have no idea. But then I have things you might not have, or at least in the abundance of which I have them, ice packs. The kind designed for keeping lunches cool. They're running over my freezer space. I don't like these. These and water bottles are a few of my least favorite things. You know they're not clean. They've just taken them out of those nasty lunch boxes and shoved them into my freezer. It doesn't matter how many times I've gone over why we don't do this. More often than not, I will see them do this with my very own eyes. So all those came out. Something else that you might not have is uneaten desserts. These were still in the door, like the ice cream from Dairy Queen or from Freddy's, complete with a spoon in it, ready to be finished. I take credit for this. These are mine. (laughs) It's always mine. You see, I'm not really a fan of ice cream. And over time, I want to get the ice cream with my family, but I don't really want to eat it. So (laughs) I've sort of lost my longing for desserts in general, and ice cream is one of the first things to go. So I can have it and I can leave it uneaten and unappreciated. And it drives my family crazy that here I have this wonderful dessert and I'm not enjoying it, but I'm letting it go to waste. And it's mine, so they can't have it either. (laughs) But it's there, it's in the door, reminding them of just how good I have it, even if I'm not appreciating it or sensing the wonderful state of my reality. They're sort of wound up about all the disservice of it all. I'm sort of an a-emotional person about the whole thing, which is where I think many of us can find ourselves when it comes to being thankful. We're sort of a-emotional. It's something we know we need to be, but we're not quite there, truth be told. That's why the Psalms are so helpful. They serve as our mouths to stir our thoughts and emotions to guide our hearts toward the things of God. The Psalms are chock full of invitations to be thankful. For instance, there's Psalm 717, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Then we have Psalm 34, 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Then there's Psalm 118, 19, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. And then Psalm 138.1, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. These are general expressions of gratitude that can sort of express our feelings or personal situations in many different scenarios and seasons. 
And you and I need to do this, but these don't always help me when I'm indifferent, like I am with this uneaten ice cream that I will likely throw away <laughs> in a few minutes. There is one Psalm in particular that has stirred me so often out of my A emotional indifference for who God is and what he's done that matters for you and me. And today I want to pull seven reasons offered in Psalm 107 out of it that will hopefully move us toward a genuine and unbound thankfulness. Let me just read you a couple of verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Reason number one, because he is good. That's the first reason to be thankful. There's a lot wrapped up in this short verse that we might not see with a quick glance. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, thus all capitals, L-O-R-D, for he is good. First of all, that's what the Psalms uses to address God. It's his personal name that identifies him as self-evident, the I am, the God who is good by nature and essence. And compared to him, there is none who is good. It's this God who has a love that is steadfast and enduring forever, which literally means that his mercies have no beginning and will have no end. That is a lot to undertake to understand. Because he knew our greatest need was his goodness, his goodness is in this form because it's necessary to cover our sin. A love that is most definitely steadfast and never ending. And for this, the psalmist right out of the starting gate gives us a reason to be thankful. He is this kind of good. Reason number two is going to come from the next verses. Some wandered in desert wastes. This is verse 4. Finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. Reason number two is that he satisfies and fills. What the psalmist does is take different situations that are physically and emotionally dire here that likely really happened to the exiles returning to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity and writes this psalm of thanksgiving for why they should be thankful and how they can live thankfully. This first situation might not relate to you or to me in a physical sense, although it might. I have a daughter who was so hungry before we brought her into our family that she ate the shirt off her back. She understands crying out to God in her need. But for the most of us listening, we have not experienced hunger to the point we have been ready to satisfy those rumblings within us with the clothes we were wearing. Maybe the last can of tuna in the pantry, yes. The crust in the loaf of bread with whatever you had to spread on it, probably. Possibly the mystery meat in the freezer that I just found. Or maybe the free resource made available to you in your need by your community or by your church. Those are all possibilities. This is a picture of a person who is longing for something they know they need, but they don't have it. And every direction they've tried has been the wrong one. You feel lost and confused, and there are 
alone. It's been said that solitude is a great intensifier of misery. This emotional and physical state has created such a chasm and emptiness within that the person can hardly stand it any longer. Something's got to give. And when there is no one else to talk to and nowhere else to try and no other resource left to check out, the person cries out to God in her distress because that's generally where we finally get to it. We expend every other option but crying out to what we cannot see and are unsure will make a hill of beans worth a difference. But then this person does. And the picture here is one of physical fulfillment as well as spiritual because that's what the person really needed. A straight path. No more confusion. You know what direction to take and which way to walk. That alone is enough of which to jump up and down about 25 times and be overjoyed with Thanksgiving. But he's not done. He fills this lost and starving person with good things. You see, that's how God works. He doesn't know how to go halfway. The Lord knows how to bless when you and I cry out to Him in our genuine need, whatever that may be. Reason number two to be thankful today, He satisfies and He fills The next set of verses starts in verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze, cuts into the bars of iron. This next scenario is one of a rebellious person who chooses their own way rather than seeking and following the Lord. This person knew better, and they did the rebellious stuff anyway, and they got caught. And maybe just figuratively speaking, but for whatever reasons, this rebel wasn't having a party wallowing in their sin. They were living in their own prison. The text tells us it was so awful, it was like they were chained in iron bars in total darkness with only death as their best outlook in life. I'm always so amazed at how a poet-songwriter from at least a thousand years ago can compose something in a different culture and language that is so pertinent to you and me today. Isn't this happening around us? Could this be happening to someone you know? Or maybe it's happened to you. I've heard all sorts of stories from women. I sat with them in their tears that they've recalled their history that very closely resembles these verses. The third reason that we should be thankful is that he shatters barriers I've created for myself. He shatters barriers I've created. You see, just like the psalmist records here, my friends have called out to God for deliverance from this awful place and been rescued. God rescues. He brought these spoken of here out of darkness, shattered whatever was binding them and set them free. Today, he does the same for you and for me. Your God shatters every barrier you and I create and bind ourselves with. He is the only one who can release us. And until we recognize our need, we are prisoners of a hopeless and terrible reality. Glory to God. We don't have to keep experiencing this. God rescues. Reason number three to be thankful is that he shatters barriers I create and brings me into a place of abundance. 
The next verse starts at verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. This person too cried out to the right person at the right time. In their trouble feels like the absolute bottom of the pit of which we can land, the place where we cannot possibly plummet further. But it is often there in that very place where grace is planted to catch us when we fall. The Bible is clear that your God delights to be there wherever that is when you call. Unfortunately, we keep making these ugly, close-to-death moments our realities, not the kind you want a selfie of. (laughs) Nonetheless, and all the more, He is there in our trouble to deliver us. Reason number four to be thankful is that He heals and He delivers. And how does He rescue this time? How does he go after the person who has literally been a fool and going after sin and sleeping in the bed of sin she has made until she's so sick to death of her own mess she can't eat the word? Anyone who needs this kind of deliverance can hear or read or somehow get yourself immersed in the word of God. For it is powerful to heal hearts, mend our brokenness. And it's like putting just the right medicine on a gaping wound and allowing the Lord to wrap it ever so gently. Then you keep after it, allowing it to penetrate and pour into your mind and your soul until the ache is not crippling. The Word of God assures us that our God healed this type of person by sending out His Word to them and delivered them from destruction. Otherwise, they had no other hope. He continues to do the same work today. The next verse says, Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works, to the children of man and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Reason number four to be thankful is that he heals and he delivers. Verse 23 says this, some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in the evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. These people went along the way doing their thing. These people were on the sea because they were making a living, and making their wares across the sea was part of the deal. And then the journey turned ugly. Things got really bad. Life got hard. There was an unexpected storm of colossal proportion. They knew God allowed it. But this didn't make getting safely to the other side any easier. They literally pulled out all the gadgets, the instrumentation they could find to navigate their lives successfully. But they exhausted their resources. In fact, they exhausted themselves. That's what is meant by they were at their wit's end. They had nothing left. And yet, they were nowhere close to the destination. The storm was still raging, and life was still a mess. That's when they cried out to the Lord, when they couldn't, for the life of them, cowgirl up and figure it out for themselves. And how did he respond to this stubborn lot? 
exactly the same way he's been to all the other people who've waited to the very last possible moment to call on him. And he delivered them from their distress. It was like he was waiting on them to call because it was after that that he calms the sea and takes them where they needed to go. He does the same for us today, doesn't he? I can be so stubborn. Here I am in the center of a raging storm, the kind life brings when you're not prepared. And then it just hovers and strengthens. I try everything possible, pull out all my best attempts to solve my own problems and get my lifeboat across to the destination until I've spent myself into complete exhaustion and I am an emotional basket case. That's the wit's end for me. So I finally give in and ask the Lord for help because I don't know how else to make it work. And that's when relief comes. He always does a work and often begins with me. Sometimes it's giving me what I need to get through to the other side in safety. Other times it's ever so apparent. He literally calms those waves per se in my life in a way only divine intervention can explain away. What we hear from the psalmist is this. God cares about the storms in our lives and wants to see us successfully to the other side. Reason number five for being thankful, he calms my storms and brings me in. Verse 32 says this, let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Verse 33 continues, he turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. And when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless waste. But he raises up the needy out of the affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all the wickedness shuts its mouth. These verses in this section offer a sort of summary of all the ways God intervenes with deliverance, but not in those really demonstrative ways we just encountered. It's more through the mundane, ordinary aspects of life that the Psalms just seems to be communicating, hey, God even brings miraculous deliverance in what feels like the mundane and brings a miracle. So celebrate him and sing about it in your congregation. I think it brings together some overarching themes found in this section. Number one, all of us have trouble on the planet. They take on many different shapes, other sizes, but catastrophes come. And sooner or later, we find ourselves in a mess. Sometimes the mess is physical, sometimes it's mental, and sometimes just as plain old spiritual. This is the bottom line. Trouble is inevitable, and that's what we see presented here. Number two is all this difficulty calls us to pray. When there is nowhere else to turn, even our natural instinct is to call out to God. That's what we've seen in all of these different scenarios. Even when it's the last thing we think of doing, we do it because we've got nothing. Zilch, nada. We are called to pray. The third thing the Psalms just reminds us of is that God is going to be there. Even if it's the last thing we do, God is going to be there. No matter what, doesn't matter if you've expended all of your resources or if you are at your wit's end. That is exactly when God is able to come in and do some pretty amazing stuff. That's what we see here illuminated in this Psalm 107. It's nothing but miraculous. 
Number four is that it's not enough that we keep all of this to ourselves. That's what the Psalms is, is trying to communicate. The call and responsibility is to tell others what God has done for you and for me. That makes him so glorious and causes his miracles to show up in the present day in our lives so that we are a thankful people. It's not enough to keep it to ourselves. Sort of like that song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. And then it goes to the verse, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. That's the sentiment here. Reason number six for being thankful is that God does the miraculous in the mundane. And finally, this last verse of the psalm says, Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let him consider the steadfast love of the Lord. The wording here is not just whoever is wise, but let him be wise. It is observed that these things are open to all to be observed, but it is only the wise who actually do it. Anybody can see it. Anybody can look at it, but it's only the wise who actually do it. Too many can't grasp this call to wisdom. God has been too severe in his dealings with man in general, but with them maybe specifically. It's that familiar adage, how can a good God allow so much evil in the world? Or let my sister suffer from cancer and not deliver her, or allow that car accident which took my loved one, or let that disaster steal all my belongings, or sit back and watch millions of children starve to death, or on and on and on. These can be overpowering difficulties to get beyond. I'm not minimizing these. It's a tunnel vision view of God that keeps him in a limited space and time continuum as if he's not the creator of time and space and all the things that we are doubting. If this describes you, you are right. It doesn't make sense. The wrongs are very wrong. And if you were to investigate, God thinks that they're wrong also. But he has solutions and he's working the plan. You and I are simply not privileged at knowing and understanding how all the pieces fit together not yet. Until then, we are to follow the steps of Jesus who looked at the pieces he didn't like either and asked God to change it, to make a way for him to miss the cross, to bypass the torture, the beatings, the lashes with the whip, the rejection, the humiliation and death. But then Jesus said, but not what I want, what you want, Father. In essence, I know you hold the plan. You see the big picture. And although I don't like my part in it right now, I accept that you know better than I, so I'm sticking with you. That's basically what we hear Jesus saying. In the end, the psalmist is calling us to big picture thinking, just like Jesus possessed. Wisdom looks intently at things from this big picture perspective. Look deeply. Think about it from Jesus' perspective. Don't gloss over it. There's nothing here to be afraid of. God was big enough to face his only son in the garden and then on the cross and turned his back on that son to do what was best for us. I can't even. What in the world? Whoever is wise, let them consider the steadfast love, the many, many loving kindnesses of the Lord. Let it be an unbounded gratitude, one that finds an outlet to others because you can't help it. One that sings loudly, not only in the car, but in the house, in the grocery store, at Walmart, for heaven's sakes, and without reservation, in the sanctuary. A gratitude that spills out through love in our behaviors and attitudes towards others because we can't help it. A gratitude that is simply a response to His unbound love towards us. That is wisdom, according to the psalmist of Psalm 107. A gratitude 
that is unbound, unshackled, and freed to give reasons and evidences for the goodness, faithfulness, and character of your God today and beyond. May this word fall on you with power, penetrating your soul, and may this be your most thankful season yet. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing our resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.